everybody. Welcome to another edition of Oh This Podcast. We are here with our silver anniversary. It is our Mark McGuire episode. It is our 25 episode. Si. It is number 25, Steve. Welcome to the dojo. Welcome to the jungle, as uh, <laughs> Axel may welcome you into this. Indeed. I, am I in the jungle, baby? I think I, I am. I think you are. <laughs> I hope I don't die, though. That would be bad. Dude, you'd be knocking on heaven's door. <laughs> you're always going to be the sweet oh, child. You're always going to oh, be the sweet child of mine. Dear Lord, dear Lord. We, need to, we need to venture away from this already. Before we do that, I want to take all of our listeners to the paradise city that is Oh This Podcast. <laughs> Welcome to episode 25. We are more than happy to have you here. Join us for Joining us for another edition of Highly Devolved Conversations. Steve, are you ready to devolve some I'm conversations? Ready. I am absolutely ready, especially with what we've got going on absolutely. today. Absolutely. This is... It, <laughs> Market eight, dude, because uh, <laughs> it was over the line, Smokey. Over the line. Uh, he's a pacifist, you know. Whatever. If you haven't gotten it yet, you're going to know a whole lot about this in the near future. But before we go too far into depth, I want to take and uh, ask you all to do us a huge favor. If you haven't done so, go to thispodcast.com. Do us a favor and click that Facebook link. Subscribe to the page there. Subscribe to the podcast on mm-hmm. iTunes, Google Play. Yell at us on Twitter. Send us a fax. Do whatever you want. Also, if you're at Podcast Movement coming up here in the next couple of weeks, seek us out. We're going to be the crazy, crazy dudes wearing all these like funky minor league baseball hats. We're going to be having a blast. And there. possibly a jersey with a taco on it. There may th- That may be. <laughs> let me rephrase this. It's just a taco logo. It's not just like we're going to have tacos on our side. Maybe. You don't know what I got planned. You know, never know. <laughs> You're out of your element, Donnie. You're out of your element, Donnie. But without further ado, Steve, tell us what... Well, actually, screw that. I'm going to tell us what the yeah, beer of the week you is. you go in. On. This is uh, this was your choice, so let's uh, roll this one out there. So, yes, it is our choice. And let me preface this by saying our episode is going to be uh, taking and doing a little bit of one of these fine pieces of American cinema, one of our favorite movies. The general theme of our episode today is surrounding... Uh, the great Jeff Bridges film, The Big Lebowski, the Coen brothers, you know, also famous for such movies as Garfield. Um, (laughs) But so within, we couldn't have picked any better of a beer of the week to have other than a not beer of the week. We are going to be drinking pre-made Kahlua White Russians. And, you know, it is a delectable choice that is the dude abides. I know that he would 100% support this. Um, let me give you a little yeah. bit of a give, the, give us the scouting report on this puppy. Yes, because, from uh, you've you've got some you've taken prodigious amounts of notes, and uh, you are a connoisseur of this beverage. So I think that uh, you could easily uh, provide us with uh, some some knowledge and some substance that uh, many people who are unfamiliar or unaccustomed to the White Russian, this is how they could be uh, introduced to this beverage. Yes, absolutely. Before I get to the description of what the our pre-made is, a White Russian is a is a cordial, a victriol, a <laughs> dominant uh, taste in liqueur-based beverage. It is predominantly made with Kahlua, vodka, and also creamer, half and half. Um, cordials are Kahlua is a amazing coffee flavored thing so it feels like you're drinking a mocha or a latte you know and you're just getting a lot lot of booze while you're doing this white russians are best enjoyed while playing single deck blackjack at the mgm casino in (laughs) las vegas and copious amounts however due to this uh i need to have a disclaimer having multiple white russians may allow you to sing r kelly bump and grind (laughs) to a dealer who may ask you to be removed from the presence (laughs) of that but Um, We are going to be drinking the pre-made kind today because I'm lazy. And the description of this drink uh, from said internet is it's it's an opaque light brown with a yellow hue, mild dark roasted coffee bean and cream aromas. 
A satiny entry leads to a creamy, very sweet, medium body palate with a a word of sugar I can't say. Mild coffee and cream <laughs> flavors. Finishes with a sweet, creamy fade. You know what? That was my middle name. Oh, that was my <laughs> nick- college nickname. And sweet, creamy fade? Sweet, creamy fade or medium bodied palate. <laughs> you could choose whatever you want to choose. But that is going to be the pretty pre-made Kahlua White Russian uh, drink is going to tee us off here. And Steve, I briefly let in. We are going to be talking about Big Lebowski, but lead us in. Yeah. So uh, we are going to... Uh, be just kind of exploring uh various aspects of this film uh we've got uh you know just a just a whole hell of a lot to go through because like patrick said this is one of our our favorite movies uh now i think what kind of attracted me to the movie in the first place is like i was when i was younger i saw fargo and yeah like i mean that movie like was twisted as all hell to you know elementary school steve and then it's like, oh, hey, the Cohen brothers, are these the same guys who made them? Like, oh, they have a comedy movie too? Like, what the hell could go on with this? Like, I mean, don't get me wrong, Fargo is funny in its own way, but it's most definitely a darker movie. Um, but uh, yeah, so rolling into it, it's like, oh man, these guys are making a movie. I'm going to watch this. And as a child, did not really understand. Could not understand. No, if, in, incapable of doing so. But they're just like a lot of things, like you gather little bits and pieces of it and you find certain parts of it funny so it's like obviously like i knew john goodman so i was like oh hey i know john goodman like what he's got goofy glasses and weird facial hair that's funny to me he swears a lot hey that's even better you want a toe i can get you a toe <laughs> i can get painted by three o'clock i can get you a toe <laughs> yeah was he he's uh babysitting his ex-wife's dog yeah <laughs> he brings her to brings her to bowling and things like that i mean there were just a lot of things that it's like a Pomera- pure pomeranian <laughs> it's got papers it cannot be boarded yeah there's all those different things about like the character like i can echo that sentiment 100 mm-hmm. it's it's a movie that when i first saw it i'm like nope and then it took many many years and I think being able to grow up to understand and appreciate what was going on with the writing and character. Oh, yeah. That. I mean, it's all character. It it really is. And, I mean, there are just, I mean, so many just scenes that are like, I mean, you could take them as they stood as one, you know, as a standalone thing and be like, this, this part alone is just killer. And like, I could, I could base watching the rest of this movie just on this part. But the fact of the matter is like, they have, many many scenes that are excellent and it just makes for this kind of like legendary piece like cult i mean i think it's well beyond cult status i mean they do like lebowski fests and shit like in different places i mean we have a beer that we will be enjoying not particularly for this episode but i mean i've got a barrel aged over the line from pipeworks in chicago and it's a white they they base it you know around a white russian like uh so there's these all the like it's it's definitely permeated into like culture as we've gotten older and like as more and more people have seen it and grown to appreciate it. I mean, and Jeff Daniels is just uh, um, you know just incredible. In it. Bridges, 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 Jeff Daniels, <laughs> Jeff Daniels as it would be absolutely even better. You know, you get Harry from Dumb and Dumber. That would be that would be an now imagine if you put the two of them in a movie. So it would be like a cross-platform hit. We're on it. We're like, on it. Like the dumb Lebowski. <laughs> and it's like, you know, one's got a mutt cuts kind of like van. And then the other one's got like. <laughs> See, sometimes when you misspeak, wonderful things happen. <laughs> so uh, the dude abides. The dude does abide in this. Fair, so, fair enough. Fair point. Um, So like, what was your like growing, growing into the movie? Like what, at what point, like, did you realize like how, uh, when, where did, when did the transition take place from the point in time like 
where you started to really appreciate the movie more? Like, how old were you? When it was you probably started? in college. Okay. It was probably later um, until I understood what was going on. It's so, it, it's like you say, it's, there are scenes, individual scenes can be, like, you can pull them all out and they could be skits on, like, SNL. Mm-hmm. Like, they're, they're palatable. Like, I'm just thinking of, like, when he's, you know, after he gets drugged at Jackie Treehorns and he's running down the PCH, he gets pulled <laughs> over in Malibu, and then he's literally at the police station, and the guy throws the coffee cup yeah. and it hits me. <laughs> right I'm this. just like, ow! <laughs> like, dude, that's like, like, that is like, it's, it's, there's a fine line between uh, sketch humor, like physical harm yeah. humor, and then just brilliant writing and character development. But I think for me, like once I realized like this is an absolutely amazing film, you then start to watch it. The first time you're like, oh, my God, this is like a piece, uh, a masterpiece, like a piece right. of art. You give me that first scene. You give me that first scene in Ralph's. Yeah. And the guy <laughs> pays what? Sixty nine with a check. Yes. Sixty nine cents <laughs> for a carton of milk. for a carton of half yeah, and half. half and half rather, yeah. which he drinks and samples <laughs> before he leads. And. The funny part about this is I'm not even ashamed at what I'm going to tell you next. And I can have this corroborated by one <laughs> eyewitness sitting across from me right now saying this. But the last time we were last year, we were mm-hmm. able to uh, book some time. Uh, like it was, I think it was 10 days roughly. Yeah. Um, in SoCal in L.A. And we went to the San Clemente Ralph's. And every single time that I went <laughs> into Ralph's, I asked them for a Ralph's card f- flyer. <laughs> and I had about 10 of them while I'm here. That I tried to have them send in for the dude, Jeffrey Lebowski, <laughs> and they never sent one out. But no. like that that scene is just like it's quintessential where it sets up like his character. You don't need to know much more about the dude prior like you know that this guy, you you know right in the full on like this is amazing of the dude. But then you just find it's like, okay, I know people that can probably are really close to living that dude life. <laughs> you know? Um, but like the whole, like, okay, the musical choices, the bowling, like everything, it's just, it's written so perfectly. Yeah. Like, what say you, like, what was like, what was the part that grasps you into, like, what was the scene? Cause like, there's some outrageously fucked scenes too. <laughs> I really enjoyed the, uh, like very early on and having Philip Seymour Hoffman introduced in the movie, like any, any scene that Philip Seymour Hoffman is in is just spectacular because of obviously he plays you know he's the the straightest of the straight man in the in the routine and uh that's he, not his character in any other movie no and he is like he obviously he's the real lebowski's assistant and uh it's I, I love the the scene after uh the dude goes to visit lebowski and talks about uh you know you know he's obviously upset about his rug um, he goes and he walks out and, you know, Philip Seymour Hoffman comes up to him. And it's like, oh, I trust your meeting went well, blah, blah, blah. You know, what did Le- Mr. Lebowski say? Oh, he told me I can have any rug in the place. Yeah, he just <laughs> walks out with it there. Like, and, and then also, like, immediately thereafter where he goes and he sees Lebowski's wife and then out by the pool. And he's I need to, I'm going to go find a cash go machine. Go find an ATM. <laughs> I'll do something to you for $1,000, but Brad can't watch. It's like, okay, this is, and that's a young Terry Reed before yeah. she went batshit. Before Sharknado. Oh, God. Before American Pie, yeah. which tie into our Rookie of the Year talk. It's like, <laughs> that's what we're doing is we're finding all these, like, we got to find, Saving Silverman's coming next. Oh, well, yeah, that one we've, we've already discussed a bit, and I could go on for days about Saving Silverman. Yes. But, um, I, and then, 
I think too. I mean, another connection for me, especially with my youth, because I used to bowl when I was younger. So having the bowling, uh, you know, play such a, a a prevalent role in like just transitioning the story through like different parts, and, and obviously the ridiculous bowling scenes. Uh, I mean, there was. I can't relate necessarily to uh, the life of the men's league bowling, but uh, I can definitely appreciate the humor in it, having spent a fair amount of time at, at a bowling alley. So let's talk about the Jesus for a second. Well, you want to talk about let's the Jesus? Let's talk about the Jesus. What do you think about the Jesus? Like, the character. The character of Jesus is uh, it's impressive. <laughs> I mean, if I could get a tracksuit like that, why wouldn't I rock that? <sighs> Multiple <laughs> colors and stuff. Like, you're looking at the computer, and he's just, woo! Yeah. Just literally do it at the balls, yeah. like the cleaning. It's just perfect. It's like, yeah, dude, he's a he's a pederast. He's got to go like <laughs> tell everybody. And I, I I like within the friendship dynamic though, like having Donnie around, and Donnie is literally just the guy they yell at. Yeah, <laughs> you're out of your element. But there has been talk that Donnie was an actually not a character. Like there has been speculations and some conspiracy theories. I don't necessarily ascribe to it, but that Donnie was a figment of. Uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Walter Sochek's, oh, really? Walter Sochek's uh, PTSD. Okay. So they're like, you're out of your element. It's like, cause yeah, generally hey. Walter was the one who was addressing Donnie. Mm-hmm. And most of the times that's a conspiracy theory that people I, I've heard. I don't know. I can't ascribe sure. to necessarily doing that, but it's like, it's, you've heard enough people talk about it and it's like, okay. But like, also think about Donnie, Steve Buscemi, Steve Buscemi and Fargo. You're going through the other, right. con- but then also, um, John Goodman was in Raising Arizona and mm-hmm. other Coen brother films. It's like you get this cast that's amazing. I just wish like Francis McDormand was in there, and uh, <laughs> you know they could have found a way to uh, fit Brad Pitt in there somewhere too. Yeah, something <laughs> like that. But like, so what? Like, who was your favorite character in the all entirety of all of Big Lebowski? Um, you could say the Marmot too. No, honestly, a- Philip Seymour Hoffman does it for me. And, okay, yeah, I mean. The uh, that performance uh, it was Brent, I think, is is the Brant, 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 yeah, not Brent. <laughs> um, Benjamin. Yeah, that uh, that character does it for me. Uh, I it, I don't know. It's just because of how ludicrous the whole thing is. I mean, the actual Lebowski, I I really enjoy just because of some of the previous characters he played because he's the. Uh, He's the guy in Blazing Saddles who goes on the rant about uh, authentic frontier gibberish. Right. Uh, David Huddleston, I think, is his name. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, and that he's like, one of the Johnsons. I mean, don't get me wrong; he's incredible as as Lebowski, but it's also it's like, hey, not only is that authentic frontier gibberish, like I just all the connections to For the, sure. the, the, <laughs> the previous movies get me going with that. But uh, and little what was it, Little Lebowski's uh, his Little Lebowski, <laughs> Urban, Achievers. Urban Achievers, and that just reminds me of uh scott's tots from the office where michael scott has a <laughs> urban achievers a classroom that he promises he's gonna pay for their college and then gives them batteries for laptops god that's funny <laughs> that's funny but yeah I, I would say uh um philip seymour hoffman that it, it does i mean everyone is fantastic uh, but that is my uh that's my pick for my character what's your favorite bit in the whole thing obviously that was your favorite character but mm-hmm. what's your favorite bit I mean, to, for me, one hundred percent, like the opening scene is it's it sets up the movie one hundred percent too. But I could probably pick ten of them out. Like, if I had to go top five scenes in the mm-hmm. movie, I could probably pick thirty five of them. Yeah, it's- I really there there are two big ones for me. 
Uh, so I, I wouldn't say they're both they're both kind of my favorite. Uh, I'm gonna save one of them because it, it will we're going to discuss some of this uh, on in our next segment. It's so some insider information. We're, we're, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna save that one. So I, let's go with my favorite. Um, I I like the market eight. Um, the scene that that is uh, over the line. <laughs> Market hate. <laughs> so you're entering a world of pain. You don't even know because of the fact that it, it's a league game. It's a league game. <laughs> Market hate. <laughs> like, oh, that's a good. Am one. I the only one who gives a shit about the rules? Like, like that is. We're going to discuss this as well, but uh, I mean, having the fact of the matter that he pulls out a gun on someone who he accuses of going over the line and, and fouling and instead of an eight, which is honestly not even that great of a throw, uh, he's going to throw a shit fit about it because of the rules. Right. And I think it's great. Smokey's a pacifist. He, he's, he's, he was a uh, uh, conscientious objector. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that was always a good one. One of my favorite scenes is when they get the car, like spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the movie, go see the movie. Cause we're telling you all this. Yeah. Scenes. You're like, going to, you're, you're, you're I don't think we have to do spoiler alert anymore. I mean, people should know by now. Yeah, yeah, I know. But still, you never want someone. Well, go fucking see it. Like, <laughs> you know, market eight. Go see also, it. Also, in, in a movie like this, I don't think it makes it any less funny. Right, right. When he gets the car after it gets stolen. You know, okay. Uh, this was after they dropped off the ringer and the phone kept on ringing the cell phone yeah. he got. He's like, what if the phone, what if they call you during a league play? You can't actually do it. <laughs> and this is at the impound yard when it's like, he's like, dude, are you going to find the car? He's like, yeah, bro, we got teams working on it to <laughs> search for your car. <laughs> they put a whole couple detectives on it. Like, no. It's like after he's telling yeah. him that like the, like the guy's uh, pissed in his car, like the homeless <laughs> people. Like Larry Summers are uh, sellers. Sellers. Arthur Digby Sellers. <laughs> he wrote 72 episodes of Brandon. <laughs> like, it's absolutely amazing. Um, and then, obviously, going to talking about Larry Sellers, uh, Walter Sobchak in that whole scene at Larry's house where he's talking to the guy in the iron lung. He's like, very like your... Like, love your work, sir. <laughs> is he, can he hear? He's like, no, he's, he's got health problems. It's like, he's got like the Tweety Bird iron yeah. lung there. And then the whole, uh, you never fuck a stranger in the ass. Yeah. And he's like, that's my brand new car. And he's just going to fucking town on the Corvette with yep. it. It's and it's like, <laughs> he's just a kid. It's, he, the kid is sitting yeah. on the couch and he's got like no, no reaction. Yeah, yeah like the, straight face. The guy across the street just comes out and just goes to town. And they're eating In-N-Out Burger uh, with no windshield <laughs> driving the way back. And no one's fucking talking. How is that not the greatest movie ever? It's it's pretty good. And then to your point of, like, uh, you know, different characters in different movies and stuff like that, I always think about Iron Man 1 and Jeff, uh, Jeff Bridges yeah. as being, like, <laughs> the evil Iron Man. Yeah. I'm like, the dude would never do that. The dude He's would a, not abide that. The dude would not abide. Uh, <laughs> And also to take and make it uh, even that more special, my wireless network's named Market Eight. <laughs> <laughs> it is. They're indeed. password protected, but still, it's Market Eight and five gigahertz Market Eight. There so. it is. Yes, of course. Uh, the, uh, I mean, I, I also really enjoy the uh, the the ringer. Oh. <laughs> the, where, where it's my, it's the my undies to go to the, the wax. <laughs> <laughs> Because it's a full bag, you know, well, it can't look like it can't look like it's empty. Right. He's like, "What is this? It's a sandwich. It's a freaking Uzi." And he's like, "Keep it at fifty-five, thirty-two hundred RPMs." And he dunks it, and it just goes to hell. And then, what do you think about the nihilists too? The nihilists who are the craft work yeah. uh, band, and then it's Flea in there too. Yeah. And Flea's been in some man. 
Like, he was in that, that. Like, Baby Driver. He was in Baby Driver. Yeah. yeah, like he's been in a bunch of different movies. Like, just not never big parts, but uh, yeah, he's he's got his he's got some gigs. He's got some gigs. And he slaps the BS. Yeah, gosh, I, I just think of the Nihilus, and I also think of the Beaver pictures, log jamming. <laughs> what, log, what, jamming. log jamming is like I'm here to fix the cable. <laughs> well, I'm a cable expert. That's why they called me to fix the cable. <laughs> and it's like, oh my god, what was the movie that they called? Like, what was the movie that he was in? Once he got with Julianne Moore, the the scene. Oh, I don't remember offhand. Do you want to hear how that like? So I was watching like something about like a documentary of how they filmed the scene mm-hmm. of like when they're doing that big like Vegas like the Kenny Rogers mm-hmm. what condition my condition is in um, song and song and dance and I think he, Jeff Bridges said that day um, his family was on set. Okay. To do the scene where he's going through all the ladies' legs. <laughs> and they had to like get some of him through there, but then sure. they had a camera like doing the twisting and stuff like that. He's like, Why is it today that like <laughs> the wife kids are on set? It's like, you know, this is you know, Screen Actors Guild requires us to be on a tight production schedule. So <laughs> Yeah. yeah, well, you know, they they use the uh, the finest of crew. I mean, yeah, I mean, overall, the movie is is just just positively wonderful. It's a uh, uh, a treasure of uh, American comedy. Uh, it's certainly offbeat, but uh, it is. Uh, I think it's relatable, though. It, it's definitely it. You can very easily connect with it, uh, despite how crazy it can be at, at different points. But like at uh, the at the mortuary, it's like <laughs> it's some most modestly priced vessel. <laughs> Uh, is there a Ralph's nearby, and they put him in a put Donnie <laughs> in a Folgers can, like a large Folgers? Can. Oh, gosh, um, one question before we transition. Sure, uh, Segu of course. You know, Segu to the next topic. Your French is impeccable. Uh, yes, Kalua, Segu, Bienvenidos a Miami. Would you have drinking a White Russian prior to ever seeing that movie, or is that a drink that has come because of that movie and never looking back? Hmm, no, I. I I would say, I mean, obviously, I was probably first exposed to the the beverage from the from the movie, but uh, I did not seek them out because of the movie. Uh, I read what was in the thing. I was like, "Oh, that sounds pretty good. I'm going to try one of those." And it's also a very excellent uh, wedding and or gambling drink. So, uh, or after dinner, or hot tub, or mowing the lawn, or uh, see, I'm I'm I don't take it as a universal beverage like you do, uh, but uh, I will I do enjoy them uh, very much. There needs to be copious amounts of white Russians. White Russians make the white panda happy. <laughs> it is a uh, tremendous beverage. Well, that that was Patrick. I I tease that I was going to save one of my favorite scenes and or lines um, because we've got another topic coming up and it has to do with the music in the film uh, because the soundtrack for the movie is is terrific um, but there is one prominent line and uh, scene where Lebowski is uh, you know leaving the leaving the Malibu uh, jail obviously not not arrested but uh, you know has to make his way back home and uh, he has to get a cab and he hops in the cab, and what what band happens to be on the uh, the radio that the cabbie is playing? It, it, it's "Take It Easy" by the <laughs> Eagles, and uh, I I must say that uh, it is probably one of my favorite uh, favorite things in the world to uh, ever use. Is is just a bitch about the fucking Eagles because I hate the fucking Eagles, man. Dude, and then Ving Rains from uh, who also was in Mission Impossible one and two and three, I think, and Ghost <laughs> Protocol. Uh, he's like, "Fuck you, man! Get out! I can't! I like the Eagles." And it just goes off on it. So yes, well, let's talk. So two very prominent uh, rock and roll 
uh, icons uh, are are in the, uh, the the soundtrack and they're featured pretty prominently. So we've got not only the Eagles, but we got to talk about uh, one of my personal favorites of uh, Creedence Clearwater Revival CCR. Yeah, and it's not that they were just in the soundtrack too. They were in like they were written into the dialogue yeah. as like, oh, what did you lose? Oh, my briefcase and my rug. And <laughs> <laughs> he's like, filing a police report. He's like, oh. That solves the case about the rug. <laughs> not 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 sure about the car or the credence. <laughs> it's just a perfect thing. So it's like, so if you're asking me, like, well, let's start about this. So like, I I'm pro both. So it's not like a let's kumbaya sure. everybody wins. But let's talk about the Eagles here for a second. Eagles yeah. versus CCR. If you had to listen to Mr. John Fogerty, absolutely. Yeah, or Glenn Fry, mm-hmm. the late great. It, it, what is it always going to be like? What what is the disdain? Like where does it come into play? See for me, and they're it's it's such a fine line. Uh, I think with the for me musically, I just don't really get into country music, and the Eagles are a little bit close, to, too close to that line. For, they're over the line for me. Um, not that they're they're full blown country, but they have a lot of country elements in their music. And don't get me wrong, like CCR is like super roots rock. I mean, they're they're close too, but I think the I think the Eagles are just a tad past that. And it's like there's a, there's a very thin dividing line where I can stand, and the Eagles surpass that. Don't get me. There are I mean, the Eagles wildly successful. Uh, I mean, incredible musicians in in the group. I won't slight them there. It's just not my, uh, you know, it's not my pick. Existential question. If you were driving through Winslow, Arizona, would it be such a fine sight to see? And would you stop there? No. Well, I would stop in Winslow, Arizona just because of the Route 66 thing, but I don't give a shit about this stupid song. (laughs) Is this on? Hello? Hello? Gosh. I can't believe, really? Yeah, I don't care about that. It's such a fine sight to see. No, yeah, but flatbed four. I don't want. I I don't take anything easy. Like my. But Steve, you got to start taking it easy. No, but it be, I I don't. So it's not going to happen. <laughs> no, that was a Jackson Brown song. So if it was Jackson Brown, yeah, wrote a majority of it. Uh, then Jackson what? Brown. I mean, his lineage on songwriting goes uh, very very far. Right. So if it was a Jackson Brown song, when you stop in Winslow, I don't know. It depends on the arrangement. Okay. What if it was the Eagles covering a CCR? What if it was the Eagles covering it, maybe primary? it was it was the Eagles of death metal? I might listen to it. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I like it's tough because CCR is one of the bands that I grew up on, and the Eagles were another one. I think it, if you listen to classic rock, you know you were always hoping, wishing, hoping the Eagles would come back. Too much of the Eagles for me is just too mellow. Too, like I, I get it. Like they were smoking weed, they were you know doing their thing, they were they were chilling out, but it's like I I don't it's it's not enough for me like i i needed i needed more desperado out riding fences <laughs> but you can get your own song <laughs> what a witch a woman oh, witch a woman oh. i mean but that's bringing in other pop culture is, references to the eagles but like granted like you uh, of those bands together like think about it you have t- two of the top selling bands of all time it's really kind of tough to take in discredit either of them it's this comes down to personal preference right, right? absolutely yeah and like i said before i don't disparage the eagles i just don't fucking like per- them. yeah you don't personally like them yeah. so it was awesome to see like that particular reference like honed in on multiple <laughs> times like that i'm not gonna lie that line was freaking funny it's like dude i've had a rough day can you just turn off the fucking eagles <laughs> it's like you want to get out of my cat it's, oh. yeah i think it, it they could have picked a number of different bands there and i think though the eagles were work perfectly for it just because of like 
I think I can put myself in those shoes and be like, man, I, I don't want to listen to it. Like, this is the last shit I want to listen to at this point in time. Right. Like, if I've had a day like that, it's like, I do not want to listen to the Eagles at all. Because it was generally positive. It was like, there were general things that would make it. So it's like, it's difficult. To I want to listen to Don Henley. I don't want to listen to Glenn Fry. It's just, yeah. It's yeah. I don't know what other band you could have like put in that scene to take in, uh, do that and, and make it different. Now, another scene that's great is when he's drinking the beer, smoking the J when he gets his car back and he's smacking, yeah. the, <laughs> <laughs> smacking the roof as Absolutely. he's going see, that's uh, to the, CCR. That's and like, I, I don't know. The CCR songs just do do more for me. Um, I mean, they're they're simpler. I mean, he's they're only rocking three chords, four chords, but uh, I don't like they're. I like the swampy like. And that's the crazy thing. Too. The CCR like everyone like they sound very southern, very roots rock. These are from San Francisco. Yeah. <laughs> CCR or John Fogerty, which would you like? Because that's the difference. Oh, right? CCR for sure. Yeah. No, I don't want John Fogerty. Uh, after that, I mean, well, now he can't really sing anymore. I mean, don't he's out there playing shows and stuff, but he does he can't sing the During way the casino he did. Circuit, yeah, yeah. Well, he, he was playing Ravinia and shit like that. I mean, yeah. I mean, now the he's Wino got a, circuit. now he's got a residency somewhere. Uh, he he did a couple weeks in Vegas, so uh, I mean, I'm sure he's not hurting financially. I know though, CCR had a lot of like they had a lot of troubles with the band and songwriting credits and stuff between Fogarty and the rest of the guys like CCR for a while was like basically just John Fogarty, like rotating people in around him. Right. I right. mean, so, uh, I mean, obviously he's probably the, the machine behind most of it as far as the, most of the songwriting and stuff is concerned. But, uh, I mean that, that's the era that I'm into. Like if it, once it goes, once CCR is done, I, I don't follow John Fogarty. Past now, that. now, would you think if they did like something like, I don't know, Leonard Skinnerd and the birds like it, that jokes those jokes would have hit you see what I did there yeah you yeah. know the birds <laughs> eagles Skinnerd so plane crash so. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going there but I was going with <laughs> swampy rock yes yes yeah, I know yeah, what you're doing yeah exactly do you think that those jokes would have been there or is it just like yeah it, the the way like the everybody could relate to like the credence tape like you know it was the thing like it was imagery it's using that particular thing to take you back to know exactly what he had lost. It would, I mean, I, I think you could do it, but I don't know if it would have been as impactful or as funny. Mm-hmm. Um, with CCR, I mean, shit, they're in any, like, anything related to the 60s or 70s. Like, I shouldn't say anything, but a lot of shit in that time period has a CCR song in it. Like, at one point or another, or, you know, especially, like, Vietnam War stuff always has a CCR song right, involved. Right, like, right. Um, it, it's just, uh, they were... I mean, their their music for so one reason or another has kind of encapsulated that time, um, and uh, that's kind of where it goes back to. And uh, yeah, I mean, I like so like I said, I don't think it would have been, it wouldn't have necessarily been unfunny, but uh, the way the, the choices were perfect. Right. It's yeah. not like um, taking and trying to like strive too far with like, I don't know, like having. Donna Summer or something. It, well, to me, it's like it's like CCR and Buffalo Springfield always take you back to like the whole Vietnam thing, and then it's like anytime you use like a, along the all in the Watchtower, like the mm-hmm. Hendrix version or something like that, it really takes and isolates you to yeah, like a. Bob theme. Dylan doesn't get his version played too much. Doesn't get it played too much, but like it always takes and encapsulates like okay, this character was taking and trying to think back to like the sixties, late seventies. Like mm-hmm. it always takes you back to it. So it was, it was probably. I, no, I'm not going to say it probably. It was definitely thought of as that's why we have to have these yeah. particular things. 
because the Eagles were, came up after it too, and it was a different thing. But so uh, can't we all just get along? No, with you being know. into the Eagles, um, what do you got a uh, a particular jam? I mean, you're not going to go like Hotel California is like number one in there, are you? There's that. There's Seven that. Bridges Road. Okay. Take it easy. Deep tracks only, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, Seven Bridges Road. Take it easy. Uh, Hotel California, the guitar solo is amazing. It is, and that is um, where I like. That's part of the rub. Is like I respect that band musically, you know, without a doubt. Like their talent is undeniable. I mean, the and yeah, I mean that guitar solo. I could listen to that straight up, no problem, anytime. Yeah. How do you do? You like the? Uh, um, I, I didn't the, say the last one too. Victim of Love is also okay. one of my favorite tracks of all time. Do you like the Spanish version of Hotel California that, that they, they play in the bowling scenes? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was good. It was definitely like it, it's funny that they took and used that. Like they tease you up to that joke too. It does. Yeah, it's it's very interesting. Yeah, like it's almost like it was thought thoughtful, like thought of. <laughs> you know, what, like they planned it or something. Like they might have wrote a script and tried to stay <laughs> to the production notes of those scripts. Not so. like not like we've ever written any of our uh, of our fantastic ideas in the script. So obviously they're more brilliant than. Dude, uh, I found out uh, there's a 1934 publication where the title is called venetian blinds <laughs> but i can't find i can't find it online but I, I the memoirs are starting to you know the book deals are starting to come in so patrick for our venetian blinds is coming out here soon <laughs> so going how about uh, ccr like what what these what ccr tracks are doing it for you god let me take a look here um why don't you give me a couple of yours well i mean first. like i think fortunate sons always like uh, towards the top of most people's lists uh, I mean that, and that's definitely one of the ones that is all over the, you know, your, your Vietnam movies, your, you know, period pieces. Um, I mean, so many of their songs are very similar mm-hmm. too, which is like a, a very, they, they have a, a very distinct sound and a lot of their hits like don't really, uh, uh, go past. I mean, proud Mary is another huge one. Obviously that's probably their, I, I don't know if it's charting wise, that's their biggest one, but that's a. That's jam, the guitar work, and that's fantastic. Right. I mean, probably every blues band that goes into a bar is going to jam that song at one point or another. So I'm going to take and tell you two of the songs that are my favorites that mm-hmm. are of the lesser known. Lodi is definitely one that is a phenomenally underrated track. Okay. And then the other one is Long As I Can See the Light. Oh, and Long As I Can See the Light is awesome. It is a... Uh, that's a deep cut, too, but that's five minutes of sheer gold. Yeah. Like, in terms of just swampy, slow um ballad types of tracks it's mm-hmm. amazing but again it's like i anytime i listen to ccr i feel you know ccr and r kelly and white snake <laughs> and uh def leopard always put me into certain moods you know <laughs> those are like, those are your spirit animals well those are spirit animals to get me into certain moves and then genuine pony definitely puts me into <laughs> a very special move that's panda's uh, stripper jam so you know you're not like Susie q you haven't tried oh. a routine out for that I pulled my hamstring during that <laughs> one time. I, well, yeah, Panda I mean, didn't have health insurance back in the day. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta make, you gotta know your limits. I was a union worker <laughs> at that time. Um, yeah, I mean, like I would say, um, "Run Through the Jungle" is probably one of my favorite CCR. Songs. I love "Welcome to the Jungle." Yeah, well, I don't want to welcome. We anyone. got fun I, and games. I want to get. I'm going to run through it so I can get out of it to the Paradise City. <laughs> Man, why am I quoting? Guns I don't know, and but Roses you're shows. all over Guns and Roses today. Um, and I don't, not entirely sure why, but uh, you are. So they kickstart uh, my heart. No, that's close, but not. no, I know <laughs> it makes me doctor feel good. 
This is I, we need to stop. It, We're it, I'm I am officially cu- heading you off at the pass. Sir. Okay, girls, I hate that girls, girls, girls. Yeah, shot it. God Gosh. damn it! <laughs> you got me thinking about Motley Crue now, and, and I'm thinking about Alice Cooper and, and Wayne's World. And again. I can oh, I could go on for hours about how badly Motley Crue sucks, but I'm not going to do that. Um, yeah, so Run Through the Jungle for me, uh, I I like the intro to that song, and uh, yeah, that that's one that most definitely gets cranked up whenever it uh, pops on the radio or on one of my playlists. Uh, uh, so yeah, any parting thoughts? Are you going to try and win me over with any Eagles? Is there anything that you need to do to try and try and convince me that the Eagles are good, or uh, can I just continue living my life saying that I don't want to listen to them ever? Just do me a favor when you're going through Winslow, Arizona. And it is a sight to see. Just stop and at least give me five seconds of like, okay, I did that. If you do that and that's like all that you do, Eagles Can I just stand on a corner? Like I don't have to drive through it. I can just drive there and then stand on the corner? Yeah, that's fine enough for me. Okay. Like that, like just if you're ever there, snap a photo. That makes me happy. Yeah. My dad went through Winslow, Arizona this year. I feel like 14 trillion people have done that. And that's more people than are on this planet. I'm just planning ahead. Yeah, but my dad drove through it, so it was a cool <laughs> thing. I was like, "That's awesome, Dad. I like you." Did he? Did he see a flatbed Ford? I think no? they have one there. Oh, do they? Yeah, that's, that's cheating. Yeah, that's cheating. You have to go seek one out. Excuse me, <laughs> is this a Chevy or a Ford? <laughs> it's a Dodge. Oh, well, fuck, fuck you. <laughs> fuck right off. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Patrick. Let's let's get off of me. Over the line. <laughs> yeah, we we've we've officially gone over the line on this topic, uh, and we're going to go over the line on our next. Topic. And Donnie's out of his element on that anymore. <laughs> yeah, because. Obviously, bowling is a huge uh, feature for this uh, this fine film. Uh, it is a wonderful uh, a wonderful transition piece. It uh, centers around uh, uh, different characters in the film. It it brings a lot of things together. Uh, but we we definitely have to examine uh, some some parts of their bowling because these are grown men who are in a who are in a bowling league. And we have to talk about how appropriate it is for their level of competition and seriousness that they take this bowling league to. Because, uh, I mean, we break it down. We've already discussed this a bit. Uh, at one point, Walter pulls out a gun and points it at someone for not marking the scorecard as in a way they see fit. Now, I mean, now that, that whole situation can be eliminated because it's electronically scored. Uh, whereas no, but you can alter the scorecard. Then. You could, but it is. I mean, speaking from a position of knowledge and have been bowling a few times in my life, and better than another position. Um, I will. It takes. It's a pain in the ass to switch your score because you got to press like four different menus. Uh, it's obvious that you're doing it. Whereas, like, if you're just writing it down, like you had to write your score down anyway, so it's not. You know, it's easier to sneak that one in there because you have to write something down. Electronic scoring, you have to go and stand at the little stupid podium and make all the changes. It's up there on sure. a goddamn TV. It's blatantly obvious. Uh, I mean, the uh, integrity of the game is, I think, better held by the electronic scoring. There are mistakes. The thing screws up every now and again. It, you know, a uh, pin gets shuffled around or whatever. But uh, by and large, the electronic scoring takes that uh, cheating element out of the mix. See, I think we need to first, before we talk about bowling and the level of competitiveness that is superseded in certain genres or <laughs> arenas of said thing, I need to take in and talk about what the bowling alley um, did for us in this movie. It introduced us to our narrator and one of the finest mustaches oh, in all yeah. of Hollywood, Great Sam mustache. Elliott. And without the bowling alley and his uh, sarsaparilla <laughs> uh, that he was drinking and telling the dude that he was upset with his cussing, uh, we would have never have gotten the greatest narration job ever, which would have never happened. So first off, hats like we give you 
you know, there's two great mustaches in the world. Okay. One is Sam Elliott's. He's the he's the reigning champion of all of film, and the other one is John Oates, who is the reigning champion of music. Now, it's no longer there. It has been <laughs> retired, said to that, but still. Now, back to your other thing. I'm going to take and digress. If it was, you know, Hall and Oates and the Eagles, that that would be a tougher one too. That would be a tougher one going back to the last segment. But I think anytime you r- pull a, a firearm at a sporting event. <laughs> Uh, with the participants outside of like the biathlon or an archery or a shooting competition <laughs> may constitute you've gone a little too far, especially for the league. You think uh, so? Yeah, I think so. But um, God, that movie was good in terms <laughs> of like the bowling scenes there. Like, cause anytime they had something, let's go bowling, mm-hmm. let's go bowling. And, and bowling was the way that the, like the writers took and made it so that the story could move forward. You know, after Donnie died, they're at the. They go into the bowling alley. The fights in the parking lot. They go to the mortuary. They get the ashes. They spread the ashes and unceremoniously <laughs> all over Jeff Bridges. And then it's like, come on, dude, let's grieve by going bowling. Yeah. it was. This, it was a thing that was there, and I think, yes, branding a firearm to a a, a bowling alley probably not a good way to do that. <laughs> like. But I know that people like the bowling leagues are a very big social thing. It's, My dad and grandpa bowled for years, like, and it was a thing that was awesome. And they were like, there were championships and like there were things like out there. Like, it's a very big social thing. People take it very seriously, and it's uh, interesting. I mean, I bowled for oh, I don't know. Let's see. I started probably when I was twelve. I mean, like in a league. I, I mean, I'd obviously been bowling it's before. It's a challenging that. sport. It's a it's a very difficult sport. Um, I would. People take it more seriously than I think they need to. Like, so uh, going back, I started when I was twelve-ish, and stopped when I was seventeen or so, um, right before like men's leagues could start. Because once you sure. turn eighteen, you could join men's leagues. Um, and I, I could. I mean, there was, there's no bar, there's no level at which you can. You know, it's not like you know baseball where it's like, hey, I finished high school and I'm not good enough to play college. So yeah, I mean, maybe I could play like legion ball with a, you know for a little bit or something like that i mean were you the next roy munson coming out there, of there's no there, there's nowhere to go oh i was antioch lanes boy <laughs> okay um and uh so we're not sponsored by them no right? not at, well they're not in business anymore so that that makes definitely it not getting the sponsorship <laughs> now um but uh yeah i mean I, I bowled with my friends and we were you know it was saturday mornings you know you went you went to the alley you threw your three games you had a pizza you had some pop you went home you were home before lunch uh, kind of thing, and uh, I mean, we were competitive kids, right? Uh, we we took it serious more seriously than we should have, but we were kids, so it's a little bit different. Like adults doing it, and I understand that there's money involved and things like that, but uh, there there's some serious ego and bragging and things like that in in the bowling game, and it's like, don't get me wrong, it's athletic. You you do have to have a, a skill set in order to be successful at it, but is it is it it's not a cardio is it, sport. Is it not? Is it something that you should be necessarily bragging about or building your life? I mean, I understand there are professional bowlers. I have people in my family who are very good bowlers, friends that I know that have you know that have thrown perfect games and stuff. But it's like there's an ego thing there that you see. There's always people there that like think it's like the biggest deal in the world. It's like, man, this is this is bowling league night. You're gonna throw three, four, five games. Have a couple of beers. You're have some beer. Yeah, you might win fifty bucks on a random bet or something like that. You get a beer frame, like shit like that. But guys, this is 
this is not worth getting upset about. <laughs> so bowling, bowling in our household was very like it was a thing. It was a uh, it was kind of a ritual. So Thursday nights were bowling night, and Dad and Grandpa for the longest time would go out to they'd be in the men's league, and mm-hmm. my da- my Grandpa was the president for so many years, like organizing it, and then my Dad did some of that and did some vice president stuff. But that's like getting. Make sure everybody's got the dues and shit, like get, like the parties planned and all that stuff. Did you have to amend the bylaws or bring the bylaws out for anyone brandishing a firearm? I I don't think there anything <laughs> was come to across the league offices in, in the Elk Grove Bowling uh, League uh, for that. But bowling was definitely something that ke- was in our household. Like it yeah. was something like my grandpa had custom, like he had his bowling ball drilled. Like they had like the equipment and stuff like that. And so from us, we grew up and I remember in like elementary school, like Thursday nights, sometimes we would go over there um, like when we didn't have school on Friday yeah. or something like that. Or if it was the summer, we'd go and watch and play video games and then we get to throw a few frames. But like I was never going to play on a league uh, like a high school league. It was always right. going to be a contact sport. So I wasn't pushed there. But in college, I bowled and took a bowling class. I and did I, too. Yeah. And I remember freshman year of college and the i was going to get my mail and the guy's looking at me he's like yeah, oh why why do you have a bowling magazine that showed <laughs> up because they had to fill out the oh, yeah. boxes my grandpa's subscribing to a bowling magazine so <laughs> i could like read up on it and it's like you get good at being able to do the sport by just like practice and mm-hmm. like repetition it's like you understand like okay where's the pocket why do you take and hook it in here how many boards do you have to go left and right how do you take in like there's all like there's with any hobby, I think you get technical about it. I think there's there's times where I've bowled well and there's times that I've bowled bad. But it's like, you know, when you take and get over a certain, like, threshold and you get, like, your personal best yeah. and it's, like, in the, you know, you know, my personal best is 248. Okay, that's like, not bad. It's not bad. Yeah. It's like you got to be crunching some strikes mm-hmm. to get there. And it's Yeah, like, I threw 265 or 6, I think, was yeah. my, my tops. And Eight I think, strikes. yeah, my dad was averaging like in the two forties and stuff. Yeah, like that. that's a good average. Yeah, he knew what to do. And my grandpa, like at one point, had a two ninety nine game, the one single pin. The guy who was the the guy who was uh, running the bowling alley took it off the lane and gave it to him. And he had that in his basement forever. And that was the single pin that haunted <laughs> him for. He never got a three hundred game. He always had a two ninety nine. But it's like never did anybody brandish a fire firearm. Never did anybody like get too out of control. But then, like, have you watched some of these guys, these bowlers on TV oh, yeah. on like Sunday morning ESPN? Oh yeah, it's freaking amazing at what they can do. Like, oh yeah, I just got sick three hundred game, three hundred pin games in a row. It's like, yeah, it's it's crazy too. Like they have like with any sport, there's sponsorship deals and things of that mm-hmm. nature. But it's like obviously with bowling it's probably primarily bowling only or maybe some gambling like because obviously reno is a it's huge bowling and it's shoes yeah it's like odor eaters yeah like um the the sponsorship uh the the array of businesses willing to sponsor a bowler is not as broad as say baseball um hooters sponsoring <laughs> <laughs> um but uh yeah i mean for those guys when it's your living and like you're good enough to make it that living like i can understand you take it very seriously it's your profession uh, it's the amateur game that uh, is odd to me. And but can't you see that with any sport? Like, can't you see that with softball or like flag football? Like, amateurs trying to. You always have that co- that guy who got cut and is always going out. Like he's like, um, like B string quarterback is 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 pro and out. I mean, it's, on like, it's certainly a fine line. Um, with softball, there's a lot of 
there's a lot of sandbagging in softball. But uh, if you're good, you play you play up and you play you play high, better competition. If you get to the point where you're sponsored and you get to the point where you're playing professionally, um, I mean, there's there's money to be had there. Right. That that's where it makes sense. Um, and and I mean, real money to be had, not winning fifty dollars, you know, for throwing the high game of the night kind of thing. Uh, it's a uh, it's just a it's just a different dynamic for a. It's it's not that it's unathletic. You, it does require talent, but it is certainly not athletic in the traditional sense where people are like, oh, man. Like, no one's going up to a bowler and be like, you're a great athlete. Can I get not, your workout not, plan? Now, that's not to say that there aren't bowlers who are good athletes, uh, but no one's applauding the athleticism of, you know, in a – no one's breaking down. It's like, oh, man, like, this guy's so athletic. You know, look at his body control. On, you know, he, he brings the ball up this high. It gives him more spin on the ball. It gives him better velocity. Well, on like the Ocho, it does. <laughs> like, on the ESPN stuff, they actually do break down some well, of those. Well, they break down some of those things, but it doesn't – it doesn't – get to the point where it's like if you compare the NFL where someone talks oh, about right. explosiveness and you can watch athleticism. It's kind of like Patches O'Houlihan yeah. and dodgeball. You're watching a guy take you know, four or five steps up to, the, you know, up to the line and throwing a ball, and then you wait for the thing to happen. It, it does or doesn't, and then they go back and they stand and they wait for the ball to return. Or if they're good, they have multiple there, depending on the different shots that they're going to throw. And uh, there, off you go. I mean, it's just a... It's an odd thing to be good at, I think, and it's an odd thing, but it's certainly not one that you would ever be champion for one's athleticism. Right. It's like fishing. No one's going to talk about a fisherman, like how great, you know, how fast a fisherman runs. No one gives a shit. Because they have a boat. <laughs> they, they have a boat, or even even if they swam really good, no one's swimming to go catch a fish. I mean, now, that's... A ch- that, that's you remember the logger games? Like ESPN yeah. put them on? Yeah. Swim fishing. That's what happens when ESPN can't get a major uh, sports deal. That's their content. That's how you It's weird started. shit like that. Yeah. But uh let's yeah. let, before I mean, have you ever damaged anything because of because of a bowling performance? I've dislocated my finger. You because you were yes. because it got stuck in the ball? Okay, that's not I should say, have you ever damaged anything in frustration? Um, I've thrown the ball uh, way too far down the lane and hopped a few times and <laughs> almost broke a lane. We used, there was a lane that we used to go to uh, out in Seattle that used to have radar detectors on it, and so the challenge was take as heavy a pound ball that you yeah. could and see how fast you could check <laughs> it down the lane. And I remember I got there, had a 15-pound ball, and I'm chucking it, and it got it registered to like 24, 25 miles an hour. That's good velocity. And as I'm throwing it, my foot goes out, and I <laughs> fucking hit the deck. Just like, Boom. Feet over ass, it's just like Patrick hit the ground, strike. I'm like, you can't write this. Well, like, then you walked away, you got up like a badass, and it didn't matter. I hurt my ass, <laughs> like my tailbone hurt. But like thinking about this, like thinking about the American cinema, because we like we are movie buffs, and we need to take a look at these things. I can only think of two movies. Um, and granted, I haven't done extensive research on bowling movies, but I can only think of two movies that are related to bowling Mm -hmm. and that being one big lebowski which is the coen brothers it's going to come full circle wait for it okay and then it's also going to be kingpin with woody harrelson and bill murray which is the fairly brothers it is and the coen brothers did the big lebowski with jeff bridges and the fairly brothers (laughs) did dumb and dumber with jeff daniels (laughs) so if we can take and get them all in a room 
Hence, anyway. hence the, the the Venn diagram yeah. of bowling. We could write a script with you guys to take <laughs> and see what we can come up with. As, that would work. Yeah, I think we could we could work with that. Um, the only thing I've ever like, I think the worst thing I've done. I, I gave a, a swift punt to the uh, plastic on the ball return after missing. I mean, I, I'm sure I'm positive I've done it more than once, and I have friends that are listening that w- were also on the bowling league with us so they wouldn't they would attest to it have you ever done like bowling with friends that aren't good or gone oh with, yeah well or, i mean or, that was part done, of the league like or, or done the bowling <laughs> date where you've had to play down oh uh, that's a tough one i've i've done the bowling date one time uh and way that's that's never gonna happen again way back when um it was it, we went it was not good i mean it was a bad date to begin with um and it was uh, we went to what was it the the place down in, it's in River North in Chicago. Oh, Ten Pin, whatever it was called, the, or the Lucky Strike. Yeah, yeah, it was Lucky Strike at the time, I think. And uh, yeah, went there. It was bad to begin with, and it. I mean, bowling was fine. I think bowling might have been the best part of it. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, that. I mean, I got no opposition to the bowling date, but uh, that's the only time I ever went with it. Being in the presence of such great athletes, <laughs> yeah, uh, that, and that was not uh, that was not like I don't go out like I I used to I have my own bowling ball but I don't I don't use it anymore because I mean I haven't fixed it drilled it re, right. you know it's it's too small it's only yeah. fourteen pounds like and I don't bowl seriously so I don't give a shit it's like I think it's sitting in my mom's basement um, but uh, I mean if I was doing it more seriously yeah sure I'd have decent equipment and stuff was like I, w- I didn't bring my ball that date or anything like that that would have been hilarious <laughs> now what are your thoughts on bumpers and also those kid uh, never bumpers what about those kid ramps where you just put it in there and you just push it and then it goes nope. down have you seen those nope. things? if you're if you're taking a child to the bowling alley and they can't throw the ball then they shouldn't be bowling and then, Give them quarters; they'll go. Play uh, bumpers are acceptable if you have small children, right? Uh, as long as they're capable of throwing the ball, I don't mind that. Uh, but uh, if it's adults with bumpers, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, you know what I want to play? Drumpers, where it's drunk bumpers, where one frame it's the right bumper is up and the left is down, <laughs> and then you keep switching them randomly. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, the, I think if you did that, like the other team should get control of like the controller for it. And they right. get to decide when the bumper goes up, when the bumper goes down. Yeah. Drum, drumpers. Yeah. Dude, we got another business idea. <laughs> drunk bowling bumpers. I mean, bowling and drunk is a common thing. So the bumper element is uh, not that far of a stretch. <laughs> drunk and stupid. <laughs> Well, that's most of the time. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, so I mean, going back, harkening back to my bowling days. I mean, I, re- I remember one other thing that I, I recall in Lebowski that kind of like ties things together, and it was like when they're discussing the fact that he brought a firearm to the bowling alley, and they're discussing the rules and the bylaws of the league. And I remember like sitting there every Saturday morning before you got to actually start bowling, they had announcements like it was oh, like gosh, like it was elementary yeah. school. And they would talk about what was going on. You know, they half the time they were talking about specials that were going on, but like there were sometimes rules announcements and shit like that, and league standings, high games. Stuff. It's like they're literally breaking down. It's like I'm just sitting there watching this movie, and I'm like, man, I remember sitting there listening to those stupid ass announcements talking about rules and things like that. It's like, just let me bowl. Yeah. <laughs> going back to the movie, one of the best parts for me in that around the bowling is when. Uh, they're talking about, and Walter can't roll on Chavez. Mm-hmm. <laughs> can't roll on Chavez. <laughs> I, I told the crowd, the crowd in the office that I can't roll on Saturday. 
And that it's not that one. It's the follow-up when uh, Jesus comes walking. He's like, what's this bullshit? You can't roll on Saturday. <laughs> he's like, fine. I will beat you on the next Wednesday. <laughs> and then he walks away. <laughs> Woo! And walks away. And I'm just... I'm like, okay, that is one extremely confident man about his bowling abilities, regardless <laughs> of if it's Saturday or it's Wednesday. Indeed, indeed. So, well, Patrick, I think it's time to uh, wrap up our bowling and our White Russians and our Big Lebowski celebration. Uh, but uh, why don't we tell people where uh, where we can be found on the uh, internets? We have an internet website. We do. Yes. Why don't you tell them? Isn't that you want me to? Okay. Yeah. Like, so we, are we still at geocities.com backslash all this podcast, or did we get a new one? Artmonster.org. <laughs> no, everyone, thank you, everybody, for listening to all this podcast. We really do appreciate uh, everyone that uh, that listens, downloads, interacts with us. Uh, it's it's kind of crazy for both of us, just the fact that people listen to us babble about uh, you know things like bowling and white Russians. So we do really, really appreciate everybody. Um, and, yeah, you, where you can find us, I mean, go onto the internets, type in uh, – Oh, this podcast.com and then you'll be taken you'll be transported to a wonderful world where we have all sorts of episodes and information about beers and random musings and all sorts of good stuff we also have ways for you to support the show if you click on the uh, support button on there you can get to us on patreon and uh, uh, pick any number of ways that you can support the show uh, you can get us on Facebook like our Facebook page you can uh, follow us on Twitter oh this podcast we've got uh, Patrick and I on there individually uh, Patrick does like faxes so if you want to send him faxes he is all for it he flaxes <laughs> he like he likes flax seeds as well so if you can fax him a flax seed he would be very impressed uh but yeah that is about uh i think that's, those are all the manners i mean we don't have a phone number so we're not going to ask anyone to call us there but uh maybe in the future we could get a phone number and just have it that it ring to patrick's desk and then Patrick can field your calls on all sorts of life topics or something like that. Maybe, maybe that's a future idea. Yeah, just like a call and thing. Yeah, like, like ask Patrick number. anything. Yeah, and I'll get back to you within six to ten business hours. <laughs> you know, we can figure something out. Yeah, you know? yeah. but uh, that's for the future. For now, just go hit us up on the website, get on Facebook and on Twitter, all those, uh, all the, the things that the kids are doing these days. That's where we reside. That is true. And we are going to be more than excited to see and meet everybody at Podcast Movement. Coming we are. What magical? What twenty-one days? Not even that. Less. Uh, well, yeah. No. What's it? Uh, yeah. Three weeks. Three weeks. Three weeks from today, we register. Or we go to the first timers uh, convention or mm. opening ceremony. Or the luau where I'm gonna get hammered. It's the, gonna be great. The the, the yeah. We we might have problems at the registration or something. They're probably going to take things more seriously than we do. Sir, you may not eat that. It's <laughs> like what? No, don't worry about that. But if you are going to the conference, you are listening to this, make sure you take and reach out, hit us up. We would love to take and talk to anybody for the show. But again, like my favorite people, go watch log jamming. <laughs> and with that, I'm Steve. I'm Patrick. And we are out. <laughs> <laughs>